0: Let's hold our heads and let us pray together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, The moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, thank you for this life that we have. With all unanswered questions, with all uncertainties, and with the beauty of this life, Lord, we turn to you with thanksgiving and with praise we don't strive to have all the answers but one thing we know that God that you are our God and that God you are my King and God that you care for us your children though who am I who are we that we think that we could come before your holy presence to worship you and to draw near to you the only reason why we are here To worship you in spirit and in truth and in freedom is because God you have drawn yourself to us first God so God I pray Lord that we would just humble ourselves at this time I pray God we would approach your throne with humility as Moses took off his sandal before your holy presence Lord we lay down all of our rights all of our crowns all of our accomplishments we lay them down at your feet oh God Lord forgive us of our sins for god it is only by the cross and by the blood that was shed for us that can wash away our sins oh lord so god we enter your place your holy of holies with thanksgiving and with humility and god i pray lord that as you transition to the message i pray god with all my heart lord with humility i ask the words my mouth and god the meditations of all the hearts for those who will be listening here today lord may be filled with humility may be humble, let our hearts be soft before you, O God, so that we may receive the blessing of your word that you have in store for us today. So God, you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And we give you our praise. May your name be glorified. Take all the honor. May your name be lifted high in this place, in our hearts, and in our little lives. We lift up your name. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, Let me pray. And God's people pray, amen and amen. All right, God bless you all. Uh, let's take a moment to greet our neighbors at this time. And let's get ready for today's message. And we're going to continue on with our Authentic Christian and Christianity series. We're in our Samuel series, First Samuel. And today we're going to be focusing on chapter 18. But let's begin with the title today. The title is called Finding Godly Friendships in Christ. I'll say it again. Finding Godly Friendships in Christ. Amen. Our main passage here is not too long. It's only four verses. We're on chapter 18 now. And let's go back to the title page. You guys ever watch Predator? (laughs) They go... You guys don't know? Oh, new school. If you're old school, you know the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's when they shake. It's that iconic scene. But it's about brotherhood. It's about friendship. It's about sisterhood. Finding godly friendships in Christ. Okay, let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel 18, verse 1-4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Again, everything is a process. It became. It didn't happen overnight. And he loved them as himself. And you'll see here in, this, in these short little verses that you'll see a close parallel as Christ loved us, as Christ is with us, how much Christ loved us, Jonathan loved David and David loved Jonathan, vice versa. It says in John 15, 13, that greater have no one than this to lay down his life for one's friends. It says in John 10, 11, that I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So you'll see a parallel here of our relationship with Jesus. David and Jonathan, they loved each other and it was a selfish love for one another. Verse two, from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. Verse three, and Jonathan made a covenant. Again, covenant is an action, He made a covenant, a promise with David, because he loved them as himself. Verse four, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. And this is a small again, a small glimpse and a taste. Of what Christ did for us, how he humbled himself, how he took off everything to die on the cross for us, how Christ gave his all for us. Amen. So let me just quickly read one more time without commentary. It says After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Amen. My circle is small because I am into quality, not quantity. It is better to have few genuine real friends than to have many fake friends. It says in Proverbs 18:24, it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But here's the key: but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And in life, there are healthy friendships and there are harmful friendships. Just like there are healthy foods that we choose to put in our bodies and unhealthy foods, harmful foods to our bodies, what we choose to put in our body, it will determine how healthy we will become. And how beautiful and how blessed we are, how blessing it is, how much of a blessing it is when Christians, when we have good friends, godly friendships in our lives. When godly friends, they come together and they stick together through thick and through thin. And this message is cheers to all my childhood friends, friends that I grew up in church, who are still in the faith, continue on, be faithful. And for those who have walked away, I pray that my friends will turn back, turn their lives back to God. You know, we must all of us, we are called to love and to pray and to be there for our friends, especially those who are godly, whom God had brought together. Now it says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9-12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If you have one true spiritual friend in your lifetime, one friend, then you are spiritually wealthy. You're spiritually wealthy. You have everything. Since 1953, Israel's Holocaust Memorial Yad Vashem, they recognized 26,973 individuals who did righteous acts, good deeds, who helped smuggle Jews away out of Nazi Germany to save their lives, the Jews from the Holocaust. One individual, Oskar Schindler, a German industrialist and a member of the Nazi party who is credited with saving the lives of 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust. Irina Schindler, a female who smuggled and saved children from the Holocaust. Alexander Lados, who provided a Latin American passport for the Jews so that their lives will be saved. And we understand that we must find good people in our lives godly friends. If you have godly friends, they can and they will help you. If you have godly neighbors, they can come and they can help you. And having a godly friendship is the greatest wealth that we can have, that one of the greatest wealths that we can have in this life. It's not about the fiscal money, but it's about relationships. And the question is, do you have one godly friend in your life? And if you do, you are blessed tremendously in ways you will never know. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says this, A friend loves at all times. What does that mean, a friend loves at all times? It means they are loyal. They are loyal to you, and you are loyal to them. It doesn't change depending on the seasons or what you are going through. It doesn't, it's not dependent on your mood. They love at all times, it says in Proverbs 17. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. What does that mean? It means during times of hardship, such as mission field or a time of when you lose a loved one and when that friend is there for you. That's why it's so hard for us to let go of childhood friends when you've been through hardships together. Right, Brother Amico? I'm sure you have friends that you remember when you are young in the Philippines that you've gone through hardships with. And a true friend is born out of trials testings and hardships a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity proverbs 27 10 says this never abandon a friend either yours or your father's when disaster strikes you won't have to ask your brother for assistance it's better to go to a neighbor then to a brother who lives far away. That tells us that our friend, our brother, is not our literal physical brother, blood, the same kin. It's talking about even a neighbor that is nearby can be your brother, a true godly brother. Just like the example that I gave with the Holocaust memorial, these individuals, Schindler, right, Sandler, Laros, these individuals who help their neighbors to safety to save their lives, to help their fellow brothers and their sisters. So the reality is we must be careful who we surround ourselves with. David in this context in chapter 18, he was blessed to have that one friend. And David will never have a friend like Jonathan for the rest of his life. This friend was with him. Through thick and thin, he was not just a friend, but he was his real friend genuine brother in God. Be careful who you choose to surround yourself with. This includes your own blood siblings. Friends who have a different mindset as you, worldly mindset as you. For like minds will draw in like-minded characters. There's a quote that says, Show me your friends. And I will show you your future. And it is very true. Who do you surround yourself with? Who are you surrounded by? The friendship that's mentioned here in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 through 4, is one of the greatest friendships referenced, mentioned, written, and recorded in all throughout scriptures. But what's amazing here is, as amazing the friendship between Jonathan and David was, as I mentioned earlier when I was doing the commentary, that we as Christians, in Christ, we have the greatest friendship in God. It says in John 15, 13, 15, and the Bible reminds us that Christ, that God, he calls us his friends. For I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend, Right? He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus says, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He says that twice, you are my friends. And I have called you my friends. I have called you friends. So let us not forget the friendship that we have in Christ. Amen? Amen. The greatest friendship that we will ever find on this earth. But let's go ahead and go with our first main point. Again, referencing the friendship between David and Jonathan is this. Number one. Their friendship was rooted in God. Their friendship was rooted in God. Now before they were friends and brothers to each other, they were rooted in God first. I'll say it again. Before they were friends and brothers to each other, they were first rooted in God first, not just to each other. I was having I was meeting Ronnie, I forgot what we were doing, but Ronnie mentioned one time he was talking about his worldly friend. I don't know if this is something I should be saying it in sermon, but he's he's just talking about certain individuals and his worldly friends and saying that no matter how close that they think uh, you know that Ronnie is a good friend to them, they tell him, you know, you're my best friend. But you said that in his heart, you know, he's thankful for the friends that he has at church. And you mentioned specifically Josh, right? And that even though uh, he's not here, that you're bonded with him because of the faith that you have, that you share together in Christ. And that is very true. Uh, you could have worldly friends, and there will always be a big gap, a great gap between you two, because you will not share the same mind and the same heart. And if you share the same heart and the same mind, your friendship can go in ways so deep, in ways that you cannot find with worldly friendships. Again, before they were friends and brothers to each other, they were first rooted in God. They each had their own relationship with God. So going with sub-point A, treasure, treasure the friend who is committed to God. Treasure the friend who is committed to God. Their friendship, David and Jonathan, was based on their commitment to God first, not just to each other. Treasure the friend who is committed to God. Let it be, treasure the friend who is loyal to God. David and Jonathan let nothing come between them, not even their family. I'll say it again, not even their family. Saul, Jonathan did not allow Saul to get in between their friendship. Not even Jonathan's kingship. Remember, Jonathan is what? He is the prince of Israel. He is next in line to be the king. But he humbled himself. He submitted to God's plans and to God's will because God had anointed David to be the next king. He stepped back. He humbled himself and he helped his friend David to become the next king. Well, he didn't do it intentionally. He allowed God to do it. He waited on God, but he did not stop the plan of God. So treasure the friend who is loyal to to God. Keep in mind I'm not saying treasure the friend who is committed to you. I'm not saying treasure the friend who is loyal to you. I'm talking about treasure the friend who is committed to God. Treasure the friend who is loyal to God because if they're loyal to God, if they're committed to God, they'll be loyal to you as well in their friendship to you. Let us see, treasure the friend who is faithful in God. The only difference here is faithful in. They have to be faithful in God. As a church, we are koinoya. Remember that word that we talked in the past? We had a sermon about it. It's about community, a genuine community that have deep fellowship in Christ. It's when Christ brings a group together, regardless of our family background, the color, the background, our earthly kin. It's like kids coming together over candies, skittles, and different things. They could over Legos. They don't look at color. They don't look at skin. They don't look at height. They don't look at anything. It's very cute when kids, especially four year olds or five year olds, they come together and they play together. They don't look at you for the color of your skin. We must come together as coin onia. Come together in Christ. Unbreakable bond. Unbreakable fellowship. Committed together to fight the good fight. Be in it together. And as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot forget that we are Koinonia in Christ. As David and Jonathan, as they were Koinonia together, we are Koinonia in Christ. And if you look at the history of the story Even in 1 Samuel chapter 13, it's not up on the screen, but if you just remember, just the reference of Jonathan, you know, Jonathan introduced chapter 13 and chapter 14. We see that Jonathan, before he even got close to David, that Jonathan had genuine conviction before God. He was faithful to God. He was loyal to God. He was faithful in God. He was committed to God. He was loyal. He was faithful. He was faithful in God before he even met David. He had a relationship with God first. And that's why David and Jonathan, they were able to bond together. And it was a God-ordained friendship. And if you have a friend who is faithful to God, he or she will remain faithful to you. In Christ, they will always remain a brother and sister unless they betray God completely, they walk away from the faith, they walk away, uh, which will reveal that they were never really in it. Their faith was never really genuine in first place because if it was genuine, you will never walk away. You cannot walk away. From God, as we see a lot of pastors, leaders, church individuals that we're seeing right now, even in the in media, we see people who are well known that they have walked away from their faith. And you'll see more of that during the end times, during this season, especially as the world is becoming more worldly, as there is more opposition, spiritual battle, spiritual attacks. You'll see that more people. Christians, quote-unquote Christians, will walk away from their faith as Judas. Just like Judas, as he betrayed not just his friends, his disciples, but as he, he betrayed Jesus, you'll see a lot of individuals, a lot of people betraying God and walking away from God, using the pandemic as an excuse, walking away God completely. So again, point number one, the friendship was rooted in God. Treasure the friend, letter A, who is committed to God. Letter B, treasure the friend who is loyal to God. Treasure the friend, letter C, treasure the friend who is faithful in God. Amen. If they are faithful to God, they'll be faithful to you in Christ. They are your brothers and sisters. Going to point number two, their friendship was tested in God. Their friendship was tested in God. In life and in death, their friendship was tested. David and Jonathan, they were faithful to each other in life and even in death. David honored Jonathan when, even when Jonathan was long gone, when he was dead. He provided for his family. The question, do you want to know if you have genuine friendships in your circle? Do you want to know if people in your life, in your circle, if they're loyal to you, if they're a genuine brother and sister, set up a fake funeral? (laughs) Remember that episode with Ross? He sets up a fake funeral, and then nobody shows up? See who shows up to your funeral. And this is very true. You know, A sad story, a, a true story of a pastor that I knew uh, beloved, he was loved, had many followers and stuff happened in the church and he took members and went away and planted his own church. Uh, I mean, I can't get into the specifics, but a uh, crazy individual, cult lady came, took over, convinced everyone that he was evil, that he was demon-possessed, had cancer, and in an old age, past 80. And once beloved, loved, and in his funeral, I went just out of respect, uh, despite what happened in the past, just to show reverence, just to show respect to the family. Because I was close with the samo because she used to put me to work to plant trees, and oh, I used to work so hard. (laughs) If you look at that church, the outside, the trees and the bushes, those are the stuff that we planted together, and just to pay my respect to the family. Uh, And nobody showed up because that lady said, don't go. And I realized then that people, they will love you today and they will hate you tomorrow. And you need to see how they treat your loved ones when you're long gone after the funeral. And here we see that David was loyal to Jonathan even, far, even long after, Jonathan had physically died. In life, while Jonathan was alive, David and Jonathan, they were loyal and faithful to each other in God. I mean, I'm not going to go into the specifics of the reference, but I mean, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, chapter 23, Uh, Just a few quotes from the passage is, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. That's what Jonathan tells David. Um, Another reference in verse 17, Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Uh, Another reference, it says, you know, go in peace, my friend. For We have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. Again, it's in the name of God, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Another reference in chapter 23 says, don't be afraid, right? David is afraid because Saul, Jonathan's father, is trying to kill him. And and Jonathan tells David, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. He's saying, I got your back. As long as I'm alive, he will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, he says. Remember, he's the prince of Israel. He should be the next in line. But he humbles himself. He submits to God's will and his plan. He says, you will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. So we see that even in life, David and Jonathan, they were faithful and loyal to each other in God. Even in death, David and Jonathan, well, not Jonathan because he had died, but it would have been the same, vice versa. He was loyal to Jonathan's family. They were loyal to each other in God. If you go to 2 Samuel, which we will get to eventually, but we see that we learn of Jonathan and Saul's death in chapter One, Second 2 Samuel chapter 1. And again, this is the beginning of the kingship of David in, in 1 so Samuel and then 2 Samuel. In chapter 1, we learn of the death of Jonathan and Saul. And then we see the, the lament of David, how he cries for his friend. And, and he makes everyone uh, memorize this thing called how the mighty have fallen, like a lament of David bow or something is called i forget exactly the reference but it's in there second samuel chapter one read it and it says it just talks about how amazing and magnificent saul and jonathan was right he talks about jonathan how the mighty have fallen and then it goes to chapter nine and let's all read this together if you could just follow with me it's up on the screen verse one through thirteen i'm just gonna go ahead and read you don't have to read but just follow me okay it says david asked Again, this is David. He's king now. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame and both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at your house, Makir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Emil, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He paid down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he was ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. If you had read this together, it would have been crazy, right? <laughs> Just the names and the pronunciation. But we see that David uh, was very loyal uh, to Saul and his family, which really he was being loyal to Jonathan, his dear friend. Where he was taking care of his friend's family. There was one son left, lame in both feet. Uh, his name is Mephibosheth. has a son named Micah. Again, uh, by himself, no other family members, he gains 35 more, right? 35 family members, 15 sons and 20 servants. And we see that his family, where it was just two, now it's 37 individuals. For these servants, whenever there's a servant in the family, they become like family. It says he saw himself as a dog in the past as someone of low worth of no worth but now he sat and ate at the king's table of David so we see that David was a man of honor man of his word he took care of his friend's family and here what we read here in 2nd Samuel chapter 9 again it's just another imagery a beautiful imagery Parallel, a beautiful picture of what Christ did for us as well. And as I read this, this passage in chapter 9, I'm reminded that I am no longer just a servant in his household, in the kingdom of God. But God called me when I was lame in both of my feet. He called me when I was lost to myself. When I was an orphan out in the street, he invited me to his house to dine at his table, to eat with him, lame and lost, but able to eat at the table with my king. Just a beautiful image that when God calls us his friends, that we are not lost out in the world as an orphan, lost to ourselves, but we have a deep friendship in Christ, a relationship that cannot be taken away that cannot be replaced with any other relationships. Psalm 26 says, 8 is not on the screen, but it says, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. And we're going to sing this song later, uh, House of the Lord. Well, in this song, right, it says, I long to live in your house, O Lord, to sit, I love to sit here at your feet, and let your words be the food I eat, the food I eat. I love to live in your house, O Lord, to dine at the table with my king, and give to you the praise I bring, the praise I bring. When we dine at the feet, at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, what does he expect of us? Nothing other than praising him and worshiping him and loving him. For here in your house, I find your embrace. You set on my head a garland of grace. When I lift up my hands, when I lift my hands, you fill me with more. I long to live I long to live in the house of the Lord. I long to live in the house of the Lord. To be able to eat together, it means there is no more. There's no more division, no more animosity, no more of the great divide. When we eat together, it symbolizes that there's peace. It symbolizes that all debt has been paid for. It's gone. The divide, the great divide between me and God is gone. I am united with Him. I have communion with Him. I am united with Him. I draw near to Him as He draws near to me. And I sit and I dine at the feet, at the table of my Came to worship him at his house. Through the righteousness of Christ, through the righteousness of Christ, we are able to dine with the Holy God, to live in peace with him. And he gives us everything we need, right? Mephibosheth with Micah, they had 15 sons of Zikah. Oh, is it Zika? Z- Ziba, Ziba. It's like a Zumba, like, (laughs) uh, Ziba, yes, Ziba. Ziba had 15 sons, 20 servants, angels about to dance. (laughs) And he gained altogether a total of 37 family members. In life and in death, David honored his friendship with Jonathan. Again, going over point number two. The friendship was tested in God. Listen, your friendship, the friendships that you have, it needs to be tested because it will prove the genuineness and the realness of that relationship. Any friendship can exist when you're playing video games and you're having fun. But once there's hardship, death in the family, struggle financially, Just tough times, and again, a brother and a sister is born out of adversity, out of trials and hardships. That's why you see a lot of the military guys, especially when they've been deployed together or they go to boot camp together, uh, they call themselves as brothers for life, like band of brothers, because they went through the hardship together. May you find that friend, a friend, or brother that is born out of adversity. Amen? Amen? Last point, point number three. Their friendship ended in God. Their friendship ended in God. As I mentioned earlier, not only in life, but also in death, right? They honored and they loved each other after Jonathan had died David will never have a friend like Jonathan ever again he will never find a friend like that and a good reference for that uh, for those who just to make it easier and an analogy is watch the movie Stand By Me and in that movie in that quote says you know we will never have friends like we did when we were kids something like that 80 years old I mean Does anyone? I mean, it's true. And we all have those childhood friends, friends. Maybe they're no longer here, or maybe they have walked away, or they're no longer in your life. But you need to treasure that brother and that sister that you have right now in your life. And you must honor them. And the lesson here is treasure that one brother in your life. Treasure that one sister in your life. The one who was there for you even when your family members weren't there for you, even when your own blood wasn't there for you. Treasure that individual. And I'm not talking about earthy siblings. I'm talking about your spiritual siblings, spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about Christ-centered spiritual brother in Christ. I'm talking about Christ-centered spiritual sister in Christ. So point letter A, our kingship to Christ is greater. Our kingship to Christ is greater. This is the most important, one of the most important lessons that we can learn in this life, that your kingship to Christ is greater than any other relationships, that my kingship in Christ is thicker than my earthly kingship, that our kingship in Christ is thicker than our earthly kingships, as christians christ must become thicker than our earthly kin christ's blood is thicker than any earthly blood our spiritual relationships are thicker than our earthly kin Our allegiance to christ our allegiance to christ must become greater thicker than your earthly kin it says in matthew chapter 12 verse 46 to 50 while jesus was still talking to the crowd His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Jesus replied, verse 48, He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, He said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Imagine you're one of the disciples and he says, he is my mother and my father. <laughs> Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Christ is saying, my spiritual bond with you is greater than, yes, you gave birth to me. Yes, we have the same last name. But my kinship in the kingdom of God, who I am in the kingdom of God is greater than my earthly blood. Ephesians two, eleven through thirteen says this, therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and call uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, you're separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But verse 13 is the key. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. We all have the blood of Christ running through our veins, through our spiritual veins. We are called to love one another and to be faithful and to be loyal to one another as David was loyal to Jonathan. Luke fourteen twenty five to 27 again, this is a passage that we all know of counting the cost, the cost of discipleship. Jesus says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So many of us, we are disciples of our parents, disciples of our earthly kin. But we are called to be disciples of Christ no matter what. I'm not saying go and hate your mother and your, and your father and your brother and your sister and just the people in your life. If your parents, your mother, your father, your brother, if they're in Christ and they love Christ, then you, have, or you are doubly blessed because then you're on the same page. You have the same mind, heart, soul, and strength in God. But if they hinder you, if they hinder the walk of God in your life, if they get in the way of you drawing closer to God and being loyal to God, that you must make that tough decision, not saying hate them, but follow Christ no matter what. No matter what, Jonathan is an amazing example of a person who was loyal, but at the same time not loyal to a fault, where he blindly was loyal to his father. Of course he loved his father. That's his father. But he also knew and he chose God first, and therefore he chose David because he knew the plan of God. We need to be that unbiased. We need to be objective in the truth and in the relationships that we surround ourselves in, with. Jonathan was the prince of Israel, next in line to be king, but that did not get in the way. It did not get in the way of him being loyal to David. So again, letter A, our kinship to Christ is greater And the last point here, last point of the message is this: Our kinships in Christ are greater. Our kinships in Christ are greater. Okay, so we're not confused. Our kinship to Christ is greater. Letter A, letter B, our kinships. Now our relationships, the friendships in Christ. Are greater because we all share the same spiritual DNA by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it is human nature um, to be loyal to a fault, to our last name, to our earthly kin. However, as Luke 14 reminds us that our allegiance is to Christ first and foremost, no matter what, may we be faithful. And devoted, loyal, reliable, dependable, and steadfast to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Never just be loyal to our fault because of your last earthly name. Never to your earthly last name. Blood is thicker than water, the world will tell you. But the blood of Christ is thicker than any other blood, any other relationships, any other last name. In Christ, we follow him. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we walk the same path and the same journey together as David and Jonathan did. 1 Timothy 1, verse 2 says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, now was Paul, did Paul have children? He did not have any physical children. It's recorded. But he had many spiritual sons. And Timothy particularly was his, the son, right? The main son that he had. And it says in 1 Timothy 1, he says, To Timothy, my true son, what? In the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Fast forward to verse 18, 1 Timothy 1.18. It says this, Timothy, my son. And we see this phrase, this title over and over again throughout the New Testament of Paul speaking of Timothy. 1 Corinthians four seventy says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love who is faithful in the Lord. It doesn't say, my son whom I love who is faithful to me. It says who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. Everything is centered and the foundation is in God, is in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. My son whom I love who is faithful in The Lord, meaning he will mimic everything that I taught, everything, my way of life, my conduct of living, the way I have lived my life, he will mimic it and he will do it even better. He talks about the relationship, the deep relationship that he had with his son, spiritual son, Timothy. Paul says Timothy was of the same mind, the same heart, as me, his spiritual father. The friendships that you have in God, it must be battle-tested. Uh, it must be proven faithful, it must be trustworthy, and it must remain in God. The question is, are you faithful in God? And is that friend, that brother, are they staying faithful in the Lord. You must choose wisely who we allow to come in into our inner circle in our lives. David was able to overcome because he allowed another man of God to enter in his life. As iron sharpens iron, we must sharpen one another. Amen? You cannot sharpen with someone who is always weaker than you and you try to have power over them and you're always better than them and you need someone who can challenge you, right? That goes with anything, Olympics, sports, fighting, whatever. You have a rivalry, someone who is of equal or better. So it will help you get to the next level, right, Rani? Right? Would you want to train with a white belt all the time in judo or someone who is a black belt? Right? You'd rather get your butt kicked, yes, and lose. And only then you will get better. But you have to get better. You cannot always remain down, always being a victim. Oh, I don't have what it takes. Always staying down there. Then what you're going to eventually do is bring everyone else down with you. As we're helping you up, your weight of your past and your guilt of your victim mentality, will weigh us down. Eventually, you will bring everyone down with you. You must get up, and you must get to that place. If not, you will never grow. David and Jonathan, they were equal in their faith and in their relationship with God. They sharpened one another. They were both loyal to one another. They both grew in their walk with God. And I'm closing with this. And if we are brothers and sisters in God, in Christ, purchased, justified, sanctified by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, then our spiritual family, is not of our last earthly name but our spiritual family becomes our last name and what is the last name that we all carry it's the name of God name of Christ we're all in this fight together as brothers and sisters in God we talked about In the past, Galatians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 1, John 1, Romans 8, and in this passage it reminds us this, it reminds us that in Galatians 3, 26, 29, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And it goes on saying that we are adoption, we have been found in adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. We have become the right to become the children of God. It says in Romans 8, adoption to sonship. Now we are able to call him Abba, Father. And that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That through the blood of Christ that we have become family. We have become God's family. We have become true brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm here to remind us that church, uh, that is what we are, uh, that we are family in Christ. So with that, I want to invite you to stand up to your feet. want to thank you for reminding us today what it means to have a friend in Christ not only do you call us your friends but Lord you have brought friendships in God in our lives to strengthen us to sharpen us to help us to grow and to keep us in check Lord what an honor it is what an amazing privilege and a blessing it is when we have friendships in God that is found in Christ. Lord, I pray that you will send us friends like Jonathan, friends like David. Lord, and that we will remain faithful, first and foremost, and loyal to you. And in turn, we'll be loyal to each other. So God, we surrender our hearts to you. We give you our everything. We surrender our rights we surrender our crowns as Jonathan laid down his kingship as the next king that he was not filled with jealousy he was not filled with competition he was not filled with pride but as he was filled with humility as he honored his friend David I pray God that we will honor the relationships and the friendships that we have in Christ Lord we look to you we surrender ourselves to you we give ourselves to you God that only in you can we truly be transformed and can we be changed into your image. For God, we have been justified in Christ and now we're being sanctified in Christ to be more like you, to be made in the image of Christ more and more each and every single day. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We honor you today and we honor one another. We pray. We praise you and we pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, let me pray, and God's people pray, amen, and amen.